This is Surface Thinking. This is Blackie Chad. And I'm happy today to have another special person, special guest. Uh, somebody that I knew for a long time but didn't know at all. If I can say that. Uh, everybody give it up for Kyle Ryan. I appreciate you for being here. It's funny how we just reconnected in the last two weeks. Um, we actually first met 2012. I was managing a celebrity stylist, uh, Anthony Chad, and we did an event at the Piazza at the restaurant PYT for Gogo Morrow and Jay Austin. Yeah, I was shooting Jay that day. And you was doing <laughs> photography for Jay. And we connected there. And I think we connected at another or two events with her. Maybe like her listening session or something, but it's always been what's up, what's up, what's up. Yeah. So I knew of you, but haven't really known you. So I was like, dang, you reached out. I was like, dang, this is a perfect opportunity. So um, thank you for being here. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. All right. So with Surface Thinking, I mean, you've listened to a couple episodes, which I really appreciate. And, you know, we're just trying to tap into the mind. So I try to focus on the first question, right? So let's just say in 70, 80 years, when it's time for you to get put into the dirt, or cremated or however else you want to go um what is it that you want people to remember you for uh um a legacy of kindness and building something really big without crushing anybody and when you say building something really big without crushing anybody, is that the idea of just um, doing good work? Because, you know, when big buildings go up, people lose homes. Right. Um, you know, schools get shut down, people building stuff in forests, trees get down, monkeys die, different things like that. Are you talking about that? So, somewhat. Okay. Everything that I do, I try to do with empathy. Okay. And I use it as much as I can. Okay. Of course, you know, some things, some things are inevitable. Okay. For progress or for change. But it doesn't have to be done in a uh, malicious way. That's interest, interesting that you say that. So I have a couple beliefs that aren't always proven true but just my theories for all good it has to be done bad like for us to get certain things bad has to be done so for us to experience this world you know the free will and all of the things that we have now i believe we had to experience slavery free labor mass incarceration to get those so you really believe that there is a way to create things with having the most empathy for people and not like hurting people? I think it's based on intent. Um, so my intent will to never will be to bring no harm of anybody. Okay. Uh, so for instance, I recognize that to fully get to a place where our people are respected and where we have a, a an actual place in the society, there's probably going to have to be some uncomfortable situations. It is, it's probably going to be a fight. Okay. But 
the fight isn't the fight isn't towards everyone. The fight is only towards the establishment. Like the fight is towards what's stopping progress. So what about the empathy of the people that you're fighting against? I do have a, and this is just me. Right. I do have um, a strange empathy for people that I that I would have to fight against, or people that we would have to fight against. I do, because they're kind of just following tradition. Right. So in that regard, I have an empathy for them. Okay. So where's the line that it get cut and safe and, and then you get to the point where you say, well, fuck it. So it's fu- I, I walk that line all the time. Like I can have empathy for you and still have to do what I have to do. I, this is very difficult <laughs> to talk about because like without going too deep into it, I, I, I think it's impossible. I really think that you it's <clears throat> it's the same idea of caring about how people think i mean care about how people feel about you or what people think about you so at some point you just can't care because you trying to um make everybody happy you finish last and you can't do what you want to do because you're trying to make everybody happy so the empathy that you might have for people is like all right i'm i don't i got empathy but I got to do what I got to do, but I'm sorry that I got to do what I got to do. It's like, I mean, what does that put you at in the line? Well, my first priority is my happiness. Okay. Over everything. And in, is that a contradiction? I'm a walking contradiction. Okay. And I'm okay with it. Right. Right. It's me. Right. So it's, I mean, I'm trying to understand like your first thing is happiness, Mm -hmm. but you create these things where your first thing is empathy mm-hmm. so can you show empathy to somebody but put your happiness second or first yes okay <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm ready to learn i'm ready so, to learn so um for instance uh you probably don't know this about me i'm um i'm a i was a pretty accomplished martial artist when i was younger okay um, I used to do tournaments with my dojo and all that, and we won trophies. And but at some point, I didn't want to hurt anybody anymore, so I stopped participating in tournaments. <laughs> but I'm still a very accomplished martial artist. I actually hold two black belts okay. and a uh, certificate from Krav Maga because they don't really have a belt system. Right. <laughs> okay. So. But I don't want to, I don't believe in fighting for fighting's sake. You know, if I'm fighting, I might be fighting to protect you or your family. I might be fighting to protect me and my family. Like, that's what I'll fight for. Okay, so I can see where the empathy comes. And So you're basically saying if I'm getting put into a corner, I'm going to react due to my conscience of still being a good person. Exactly. So I'm not trying to fight in the middle of a, a square or a circle 
to appease other people and exactly. you know and i always felt like that with like boxers and things like that mm-hmm. when you're seeing two black people fighting in the ring it's just like a whole bunch of people just betting who wins the, the chicken coop thing you know yeah i man when i really when i really stepped back and and like looked i was like and i had to be like maybe 13 or 14 probably 12 or 13 and i was just like this so what was that explain that one day you was in the you was into a tournament and you broke somebody's forearm and you seen his dad being very very angry at him and yelling at him because he wasn't fighting you at his maximum capabilities or he was and you just was better and you felt bad for that kid it wasn't even about that okay it was it was more about me it was me like I look out in the crowd and everybody's just kind of cheering on two black children fighting each other. Okay. And it's okay. To me, it wasn't okay. At a young age. Even though. 12, 13. Yeah. Okay. But (laughs) the contradiction in that. Okay. Because it's a big contradiction in that. In the summer going into sixth grade, I joined a gang. And I fought on the streets a lot. Okay. okay. And I did a lot of things that I'm not uh, proud of. But it wasn't for show. It was for the love of the organization. Mm. Okay. Like, I was a part of a thing. This thing said that that thing was bad. So that thing has to move. Okay. So let's talk about that. I'm interested in this conversation now. I mean, not now, but it's getting really <laughs> juicy now. I'm just salivating <laughs> over here with this. So, <clears throat> how many brothers and sisters do you have? Uh, biologically, there are. I have four siblings. It's okay. Two sisters and two brothers. Mom and dad, same household? Nah. Okay. Nah, three are my dad's children, okay. and one is my mom's. Okay, so growing up, your household was you and your mom and... Me and my mom. Okay. That was, well, me and my grandma mostly. Okay. And then me and my mom. All right, so at what point, because I only, excuse my ignorance, but I was in gangs too, but the reason why I was in gangs, and I'm not going to say it was like a blood crip type thing. It was just a team of acceptance or family that y'all all just together and y'all just say y'all something, Mm -hmm. which was stupid. But what made you, what was going on in your life that made you want to join a gang? Um, so when I was really little, like fifth grade and under, I was this really nice kid. Like I was actually an accomplished martial artist as a kid, but okay. I was still really nice. So anything outside of the dojo, I, I kind of over indexed on the niceties. Okay. So like, I mean, I got kids i got beat up right it didn't do anything but i know i could have like after i got beat up i'm like ah, i could have hit him in the throat or i could have kicked him on the side of his knee or like all of these things were going through my head but i didn't want to hurt anyone and then i couldn't even tell you what switched but a switch got flicked that summer and i changed and then i wanted a place to be destructive all right, so before we go deeper into this this thing, you're at this point where you got picked on, got bullied, and you had the power to really hurt whoever you wanted to. Yeah. 
And instead of hurting people, you just allowed it to happen. So in those times, what is your mindset? I didn't want to hurt anybody. That was that was it. Like I didn't I didn't want to hurt anybody. So did that make it worse? I mean, allowing it, you became the No, so it didn't like it didn't happen all the time. Like I wasn't overly bullied. Like it was just when disagreements would happen, if a fight was to occur, I just wouldn't really fight back. Okay, now let's talk about this switch. How did this switch occur? Um I don't even have like a moment. I don't have a moment. It, it has it to be just, a moment. You, you went from no, I don't want to no hurt moment. anybody to I want to wreck shit. It had to be it. It had to be something. There's no moment that I like can remember necessarily okay. remember. Okay. I just remember that fifth grade was the last time I actually walked in a graduation. From there on, like you know you. Graduate in fifth grade, then you're supposed to graduate again in eighth grade, then you're supposed to graduate again in twelfth grade. No. Those never happened. None of the other ones ever happened. Sixth grade, my parents put me in a Catholic school. I got kicked out for fighting the only other boy in my class. That was strategic. I didn't want to be there. I thought the uniform was dumb. I wanted to get out, go be with the homies. So, picked the fight with them. Mm. Got kicked out. Seventh grade, my dad moved to like the suburbs. We tried me going to school up there. I was still too far from the homies. I had a girlfriend up there. Picked a fight with some dude that liked her. Got kicked out. So then now got, you now you win in fights. Yeah. Because okay. now it's different. Right. Like the switch. This this sound like puberty, man. You got a couple pubes <laughs> and start start wrecking shit. Got your folks burner or something, man. Damn. Yeah, it just it just it just changed. Okay. So, the gang, I want to go back. Mm -hmm. One day, you just, was, you just was like, I want to be in this gang. They came and asked you, or you asked, you signed up, it was a permission slip, it would, how did this go? Um, some people who were really close to me were also in that gang. Okay. And I would go visit, and one time I went to go visit, and I decided that I, um... Since it was like, to me, it looked like a family thing, mm -hmm. like my family. So it's like, all right, I'm in. Okay. So I walked the line. And what does that consist of? <laughs> it's, uh, it's two lines. You walk down the middle and dudes are like swinging. Okay. You get to the end of the line and there's somebody counting off while you kind of like spar with the person at the end of the line so while people are swinging you just got to walk down you can't swing back nah your goal is to get to the end of the line to the end of the line you fall you gotta start over so the dude at the end is counting for what he's not counting okay somebody else is counting and you're fighting with the dude at the end okay so you're getting beat down and then you get to the end and then you just gotta fight goro at the end the big dude at the <laughs> pretty end. much okay <laughs> And the objective is to win or lose, or it doesn't matter. The objective is the objective is to do it. Okay. All right. And are you able to say what gang this was? <laughs> I was the blood. Okay. 
And, and w- where was this at? Um, so I bounced between like I was in North Jersey. Okay. I was in North Jersey, ran through New York a little bit. Okay. And this was a thing that made you feel good, accepted, made you feel I I cared about them, but I really wanted a place to be destructive. Like at home I was still I would still try to pretend to be like the uh the, the timid kid mm-hmm. but I had this outlet where I could go be destructive. That's what it was about for me. But why do you think you wanted to be destructive? Why though? Uh I think just because I could. So and it's not it's not a, a pressing issue, but for me it's like you were this kid who didn't want to hurt anybody. And then one day a switch turned off and you decided that you wanted to inflict your pain on people. And then now you've become the polar opposite of what you used to be. Right. Was there something that happened at home that, like, did you, you know, I mean, off, off, off air, you were saying, you know, that your, your dad is older. Yeah. So when you were born, your dad was in his. Like 50s. His 50s. Yeah. So. Could that have, I mean, your mom was around the same? No, nah, no, nah, my mom is, uh, she's in her 60s now. Okay. So, I mean, there's a big, huge disconnect between you and your father. I mean, Absolutely. you being, him being 54, <laughs> you being new, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, could y'all relate? Not really, but he, uh, he tried everything. Like, we went. On ski trips, we went, he was the referee at basketball games. I always went to that stuff with him. We were in the parade, the Thanksgiving Day parades in New York mm-hmm. City. Like, he tried everything, but, like, it didn't, uh, I don't know. It, it didn't, it didn't sit with me at that age, like, as a young man. So no matter what he did, it didn't matter. Nah. You was doing what you wanted to Man, do. Man, he took me on a ski trip <laughs> that I had to be out of school for because it was a week long. Mm-hmm. It was called the, um, it was a ski trip for the NBS. So there's a National Black Skiers Association. Okay. There's a ski club in every state of the United States. Okay. They have a summit once a year. My dad took me to the summit and I had fun. I had a ball. Mm-hmm. But if I show you the pictures from the summit, I looked miserable. Why is that? I don't know. I I didn't want to be, I guess because a part of me at that time didn't want to be with my dad. So you had a ball, but you looked miserable. Mm-hmm. I had a ball. Like, there was a bunch of other kids my age from all over the country. And it was all these black successful people mm. it was dope but at that time it just didn't it didn't resonate like I wanted to be somewhere else like I wanted to be in the neighborhood that's where I wanted to be I'll tell you exactly where I wanted to be I wanted to be in the hood so so the gang really had a big impact on you absolutely at what point did it become fun I mean after you got jumped in were you set onto ex- assignments or sorta okay yeah. So you I mean, I was I was pretty I was zone? pretty young. I was pretty young, so like my first um my first kind of like job for the neighborhood mm-hmm. was to 
uh, whole firearms and drugs and stuff like that. Because I was a kid, nobody, right. nobody was really going. So the idea is, you young, if you got court, you ain't really doing no time because you're a kid, exactly. and you holding it for the bigger people. Exactly. Okay. With no hesitation. Nah. So you holding them, just walking down the street. Some book bag or something like that. Something go down, you pull it out for them, pass it to the, a bigger person. I mean, it could go down like that. Like, it never really did. Okay. Like, it was always, I'm holding it until we get to X, Y, and Z. Okay. And you felt great. This was all power. I mean, you felt a part cool. of something. Yeah, I was with it. It had, a, it had a crazy hold on me. Like, I was with it, and it was my life for a while. <laughs> so what's your adrenaline rushing at? Like at first it at first there was a lot of like adrenaline or fear or whatever. And then, you know, after doing these things so much mm-hmm. it didn't phase me. Like and like by the time somebody actually got into a situation where somebody pulled a gun on me, mm-hmm. I wasn't afraid at all. And you still using your uh, martial arts? Absolutely, I didn't like guns. Right. <laughs> right. So somebody could pull a gun out, and you can disarm them or get the gun out their hand or whatever. Yeah, I can move on them. Okay. So I mean, was it a secret? You was you was dripping your rag. It it was a secret to most of my family. Okay. Until people, because I tried never to be near home. Okay. So until people started to like see me out like i had an uncle uncle stefan he he might have been one of the first ones him and my uncle mick like they might have been a couple of the first people and then my sister kelly like my sister kelly heard about me from through my nickname from somebody that was in one of her programs okay (laughs) she ran a program she ran a program for kids that were like coming home from juvia or whatever okay she heard my name somehow mixed up in something and when they described the kid, she automatically thought of me and was like, yo, you got something you want to tell me? Like, are you into blah, 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 blah? And I was like, I am. Straight like that. I wasn't going to lie to anybody. Like, right. I hit it, but I wasn't going to lie to you. Right. If you came and asked me, I was going to tell you. Right. So. <laughs> so, I mean, give me some give me some ideas of like, I mean, I know you had, I mean, of stunt things that are past the statute of limitations. <laughs> um, what's the purpose? I mean, like, all right, your job is to hold firearms and drugs. That's all you had to do. As a kid. Okay. Yeah. Things uh changed as I got older. Okay. Um, to a point where He's trying to he's trying to um figure out what he can talk about now due to the fact that <laughs> this could have been recent. Yeah, some of this stuff is pretty heavy. Okay. Uh so up to a point where my so my parents sent me away when I was about fifteen, I guess. They sent me to this thing called the um the Oneonta Academy, which is basically like a thing, like Project Shock. I don't know if you guys have anything like that in Philly. No. So, so you, so you, so you're uh, originally from New York. 
Yeah, I'm from out that area. Okay. Yeah. So, um, they sent me to Project Stock. They signed me over to the state of New York. Sent me to Shock. And ho 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 ho. What you mean signed you off to the state of New York? I couldn't go to any more schools in Essex County, New Jersey. Okay. I have been kicked out of six schools from fifth grade, from sixth grade to tenth grade. Okay. And after the last school in tenth grade. Is like, all right, we can't do anything with him in our school system. So, so you deemed a juvenile delinquent? Absolutely. Okay. So now you signed over to the state of, of New York. Yeah. So when they sent me to the Oneonta Academy up there, I ended up being the highest ranking member. So I, um, I, I actually made like a, a, um, a conglomerate of leaders of different gangs because being there was the last stop. So you're a juvenile, you're here. If you mess up here, you're going upstate. Straight. Right. And we already upstate. We, we're about six, seven hours from New York City. Right. So you're just going down the road. Right. I didn't want to see any of my brothers going down the road. So I made this, uh, <laughs> I guess like a tribunal, if you will. It was... A blood, a crip, a Latin king, and and now what I'm hearing is a defunct gang called the Nietas. I hear they're not around no more. Um, but we were the heaviest crews there, mm -hmm. and there was always something going on. So somebody needed to take charge. So me and all the other highest-ranking members, we got together. We just started talking it out and figuring out other ways, or at least more discreet ways. Like, if we going to beef, make it. Maybe it should be discreet. Like hold maybe on. it should be. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So you said, <laughs> <laughs> you said, I didn't want any of my brothers to go upstate. So in my mind, excuse me for assuming, I'm thinking you're trying to put an end to all of this war, all of this ruckus, wreck, and all of these things, and you're trying to come up with creative ways to break the law and still gang war. I mean, I'm interested while, to know while, how you can do this. While we were in there, the idea was to get along. But there are some scenarios where some guys couldn't. So we had to think of a creative way so that it didn't happen, so that it didn't explode out in like a common area. Okay. So like we would like lock up in a bedroom or something and just go at it yeah okay and then everybody had to agree after you went at it in that room that's it it's over now right so it worked while i was there so i always thought and please correct me on this i always questioned about the bloods and the crips on the east side i was always under the impression that they were on the west side like California mm -hmm. and all of those places. Yep. So is it like, you know, is it like a fraternity like Phi Beta Sigma or, uh, you know, Omega Psi Phi where if you a blood in New York and you go to Cali, you good? It's, there's a lot more love between the East and the West Coast now, but there wasn't always. So how did they look at you guys, and how did you look at them guys? Like they was fake bloods, y'all was fake bloods, well, or my um my I guess lineage and it comes from over there. 
Okay. Um, I have a lot of family in Watts, Nickerson Gardens. Okay. Um, and that is a important neighborhood. It's like one of the first five neighborhoods. So, um, I didn't get too many issues. Okay. Uh, but back in the nineties, like in the nineties and the early two thousands, there was a lot of issues between the East Coast and the West Coast, as far as gang life was concerned. It seems to not be the same anymore. Mm-hmm. Seems to be a bit died down, but it was heavy. I have so many questions because I feel like we jumping around, and I'm just trying to go back and forth. So, <laughs> sorry. So, all right. Being part of the being being in the gang, mm-hmm. how long were you are you, are you still active? Nah, I'm not active. Okay. I haven't been active for probably over a decade now. And how long were you in? Probably about a decade. Okay, so you did ten. I'm interested to know, like didn't want to be around mom no more. How was your relationship with your mom growing? Mm. Well, after the uh, after the signing me over to New York thing, it it wasn't great. Okay, <laughs> it wasn't great at all. Uh, and them sending me to the program didn't work out the way that they thought. So this program, you could be in there from the time you're like fifteen until you're like maybe eighteen or twenty, something like that. Okay. I was only there for nine months. All you have to do is pass a test. That's the equivalent of getting your high school diploma. And that was easy. Mm. (laughs) So, what are you scared of? I actually been thinking about this question since uh, I watched the Maui episode. Okay. Um... There's not much. I I do think that I'm afraid of uh I'm afraid of losing people based on who I was. So like I'm afraid of losing people that I care about violently. Especially if it was like uh and I don't think about this as much anymore, but like if it would have been like a retaliation for something that I had done mm-hmm. in the past. Okay. Um, but yeah, beyond that. Nothing. It's like, I know it's a lot of stuff with you, but it the is. right question has to be asked to get get the right stuff. And, I, and I'm okay with that. And I'm digging. I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to formulate this question. So, before we get to the, the crazy stuff, how do you... How do you deal with the things that you've done in your life that were bad? Especially being... In, like having a... Uh, um, how do you say, having conflicts with yourself for who you are today and what you used to be? I went to therapy. Okay. <laughs> I was in therapy for probably like 
five or six years from the time I was like 22 until I was like 27, I was in therapy. And I went, if I didn't go, sometimes I went weekly, sometimes I went monthly. Uh, but I was in therapy. I was started to, um, started looking for God. Mm -hmm. uh, that took me to a lot of places. <laughs> um, practicing my martial arts. Uh, going back in and like actually l trying to live by a code of conduct for some of my martial arts that I practice. Okay. Uh, I try to deal with it a day at a time. Like if if I wake up one day and I'm fit and I'm really hit hard, mm. I'll take a day off because I need to be. I can't be in a certain frame of mind and still operate at an optimum level. So I'll, I'll take the time to myself. I'll take a me day. So what are you holding on to? Because just with your energy and vibe, I know that you are, and this is what, this is, I mean, what I'm about to say is the exact reason why I, I don't play with people. I know that this show is based on putting different perspectives and different walks of life in the same room and see how, see how people we didn't think were similar or going through the same thing have gone through some things that we've gone through and everybody goes through the same stuff just in different ways and handle it different. So I understand that everybody goes through things. And my question is like, I don't, I'm trying to see how I can say this. You have this, you give me this vibe of a, um, a shooken soda, like a soda that, you know, keeps shaking, keeps shaking, and in some way, somehow, somebody's going to open that top. And so my question is, what are you harboring that, what's the, what are you harboring? That's it. That's the, that's the question. What are you harboring? There's still very much a destructive side of me. Okay. There's still very much a side of me that, um, like, and there's an old martial arts saying that um, I'd rather be a warrior in a garden than to be a gardener in a war. Okay. The problem with being a warrior in a garden is that you're a warrior. Okay. A warrior needs a war. Mm -hmm. I've always been a warrior. Okay. I just don't currently have a war. Hmm. So, so do you go through these times where life is really good and then you go through times where life is really fucked up? Um, I used to because of the way that I thought, but now not as much. Um, so now I try to look at everything and be more optimistic. So even when something is fucked up, like we lose a big client or I don't get a deal or that school doesn't want to do business with my company. All right, let's move on. Go to the next thing. But what's interesting about that is like for you to be a person who, I mean, I think maybe it's something that you might not can, ex I mean, that you can't explain. I mean, cause it's like, you don't seem like you've had a hard life as far as before school. I mean, before you joined the gang. I didn't. 
And then I chose it. Okay. I chose the I chose the harder way. So so my next question is so do you think there is a then there is no perfect parent then? Because you could be raised perfectly fine and then you make the decision to do what you want to do regardless of how great you were born or mm-hmm. raised or how bad you were. Absolutely. Can you speak to that? Um Man, my mom and dad are great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I had a loving grandmother. Like everybody, everybody loved on me. I was the baby. Mm-hmm. But there was, there was always. I think there was always this thing inside of me that wanted to be destructive. Like so, what you all right? Cause like, you say destructive. What do you mean by destructive? Uh, it might manifest in violence. It typically manifested in violence, mm-hmm. violence towards complete strangers. Um, if a problem has arisen, yeah. All right. So we're not talking about no person just walking down the street with their hands in their pocket, minding their business. Nah, nah, nah. Jesus. I wasn't that guy. Okay. I wasn't that guy. Um, yeah. Everything was always for a reason. In, like, in whatever context I was in. Hmm. Bar, somebody bump you, don't say excuse me, say watch out. I wasn't really... So what never, what brings this had, violence out? What brings this act of uh, violence? Um, so when I was, when I was in, it was... At the discretion of my OGs. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I got older, it was really in protection of whoever I was with. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember going to a to a bar. This is when I was in Philly. This is like early in my Philly time. We went to a bar, and my homeboy who was with me, <laughs> he was he was a tattoo artist. So he had a whole bunch of cash on him. We just came from a tattoo party. And he goes into the bathroom. He's drunk. He goes in the bathroom. I think he was trying to count his money or something. Everything falls on the bathroom floor. Mm. I cleared the bathroom. Everybody get out. And then I just stood in front of the door. Until he got himself together. I'm a protector. Okay. Like, the, the violence that comes out of me is... 80% 80% of the time in protection of somebody. Does that make you feel better? Could could could, could that be a, a pro and a con? It is a pro and a con. Because mm. I might, like, what if I over-index? Like, what if I do too much? I'm always, uh, I try to be extremely cautious of of what I take offense to in regards to like my wife in regards to the the young people that I mentor like in regards to my nieces in regards I try to take everything I try to make sure that my skin is thick because I know they know when I go I'm going and I'm not stopping until I'm satisfied so at that point there is really no you know there isn't so basically, there's no on and off switch, but and this doesn't does this doesn't matter even if you know the repercussions of the consequences of what can happen. 
You could have cleared the bathroom out, and the bull said, "I ain't going nowhere." He make a move, you hit him. He hit his head on the toilet, and he and he dies. You don't mind? Mm. It's messed up, but no. So you'd be really, you'd be ready to deal with the uh, repercussions of your actions. Always. That was one thing that. That was one thing that. After my father found out what I was into, and after my brothers found out what I was into, they always taught me to, like, if this is going to be your life, you have to accept whatever comes with it. All right. Be all in. Be all in. Hmm. So, th- that mindset and mentality can be taken advantage of in so many ways. <laughs> and you okay with that, too? Yes. It it can. That's that's why for me I had to be very care. I have to be very careful in my associations. Because yeah. like when so you're saying you love hard and if I'm with you I'm with you yeah. right wrong or indifferent. Mm-hmm. So basically say okay I know that so who I'm gonna take with me I'm gonna take Kyron with me right. And you okay with that? That's why I have to be cautious. <laughs> okay. Like I even had to be like being somebody like that like you even have to be cautious in the women that you deal with. And that's something that you learn the hard way. <laughs> so you have no other ways, other ways to get out this energy that can be used negatively. I've been um, my training helps a lot. Okay, my training helps a lot, um, and I train almost every day. So, uh, yeah. It's like I'm not it's not as bad as it used to be, okay. but it's still always ready. So to get to this point where you are, I'm trying to get a a, a segue. How did you get out? <laughs> My uncle. Um, so after I came home from Oneonta, I got into some stuff. And some people broke into my mom's house looking for me. And she said that I couldn't live there anymore. I, same day, I had a bus ticket to Atlantic City to go stay with my uncle. Um, My uncle helped change my mindset. My uncle spent most of my life in prison. Uh... He came home around 2000, which was the same year that his mom passed, which was my grandmother. And that was rough. Hmm. Um, but he was a great dude. And he um, he always drilled in me that, like, I could be so much more than what I was. The opportunity came when an uh, ex-girlfriend she was going to Philly to um, have a meeting at a school. Mm. She So she came to Atlantic City first. And I went with her. That day I ended up enrolling in school. And it took a little while, but one day my uncle came to me and was like, yo, nephew, you can't walk in both worlds. Like, either you're going to do it the right way, mm-hmm. and you're going to do the school thing, and you're going to see where that takes you, or you're going to keep doing what you've been doing. 
So what was it about your uncle that made you really take heed to what he was saying? Did you respect him because he was incarcerated a lot? He had a way with words. Like, what do you think it is? Um, he was like me. He was a warrior. Like he okay. was a fighter. So you respected him more than you could respect, or he just resonated more with you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm, that's interesting. So he got this vibe, and he was coming home. Did he have a mentality that he was ready or willing to go back to prison, nah. or he just was trying to do a straight three sixty? He did a straight. He did a straight three sixty. Okay. <laughs> okay. He was a chef at the, uh, what was it, the Trump Plaza? <laughs> okay. All right. So then you come to Philly with with we always doing stuff for some girl. So it was this for her? <laughs> she did. She didn't go to the school. Okay. She ended up going to uh, enrolling at FIT. So. I just came out on my own. <laughs> so what school did you enroll in? I was at UArts. Okay. All right, cool. And that's where you, you discovered your talents of photography or what's, what started then? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's a laid back chill school. They're closing it down too, right? Nah, nah. That's the, uh, the art institute. Okay. 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 Yeah, they are closing those guys. Okay. So you said, I got to do something. You went there, you enrolled in school. And the first thing that, you know, stuck out to you was photography nah um interactive media design okay what does that consist of visual communication so like anything to do with pretty much it's a fancy way to say graphic and web designer okay at that time uh flash was really popular what year is this uh 05 okay yeah so flash was really popular dreamweaver was the best way to make a website you had uh stuff like Nah, that was after I graduated. Yeah, Dreamweaver was the best way to make a website. You had Flash, you had, uh, and you were still basically doing HTML, a lot of HTML work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's the strenuous stuff. <laughs> you writing out codes and yeah. all that all day, creating yeah. color waves and all that through code. Okay. So we're, I mean, life is seeming like unk got you right, you know, and opportunities come to those who create them. So you created your opportunity by going to school. And how did you make the best out of that? Um, I doubled down on school. Like I, I just was laser focused, and I eventually moved to Philly because I was traveling back and forth okay. from AC to Philly. Okay. <laughs> so I eventually moved to Philly, mm-hmm. and I just, I just kind of went full steam. I, uh, I met a makeup artist. Her name was Mona. She kind of introduced me to the guys who I would join the studio with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from that, I just felt like this this was a good way. This was a good this was a good avenue for me. Okay. So a person that wants to so how at this time is is the person who wants to cause destruction? How is this person? Uh, mellow like what keeps this person deep down instead of out on the uh, out on the surface i guess the i just kind of pushed them down just kind of pushed it down in a box okay which probably wasn't helping <laughs> okay, cause he ain't go nowhere. He just needs yeah. he needs a little bit more lava to make this volca- volcano erupt. Yeah. Okay. All right. And I never really got into anything in Philly, like fortunately. 
So when you just moved from, you know, where you was at to Atlantic City, when your mom basically said that you couldn't stay there no more, is that a formidable way to, you know, I mean, you got to put in two weeks notice. You just never told nobody, never came back. I wasn't working. Uh, I Well, I, um. No, I'm talking, I'm talking about far as being in the game. Oh, no. Because you said that you just got on the bus and went to Atlantic City. Yeah. And that was just it. Yeah. Even with the high rank that you had? I mean, I told the homies what was happening, and I linked up with some of the homies in Atlantic City. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. And just kept it moving. Because I, 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 you know, I, you know, I thought it was like blood in, blood out, you know? Yeah. Okay. So did yeah. you have to do some wounds, have to go through things to get out, or they were just a little bit more accepting? So... From Atlantic City to college, we talking like four years. Okay. From me getting there to me going to school, so there was um, and then even when I first enrolled, like I didn't walk away initially, mm. and when I did decide to walk away, it was just uh, I was just kind of matter of fact about it. All right. Because I was willing to give my life for it. Right. Like. My family over indexing this thing, like mm. I'm, I'm out. Right. I mean, would you? Would, I mean, the youth that you teach now, would you want them to join the gang? Nah. Nah, I, I would. It would tear me up the, if they had to see or go through some of the things that I had to see and go through. But do you think those things made you who you are today? pieces of it okay i mean because i just think that like there is a couple of things that um that you saw or that you know you, you demons that you might have that you know kind of are like there but kind of like it's like active and non-active issues yeah. that you might have and maybe you might not have dealt with them the right way but you're just in a happy place right now um, I was I was talking with somebody about this a, a long time, actually a couple of weeks ago. Um, so we don't know where we come from in Africa, right? Like we don't know what type For of sure. tribes we come from. I always like, say that. And I have this firm belief because I see this same spirit inside of so many of the young boys that I'm that I work with or that I deal with on the days where I'm working with the youth. Um, what if there's a a percentage of us who are from warrior tribes? So like you can't help but to have that spirit. You just have to know what to do with it. So do you really believe that? Like, so I have a question. Like certain people be like, I can't get up at two o'clock. I can't get up five o'clock in the morning. I just can't do. It. I'm just a, not a morning person. And they make themselves psychologically believe that they can't get up in the morning. So do you think your actions and the things that you do are because it's a trait of being a warrior? Or is this like just who you are? I mean, or like, do you believe you have to be a warrior? Like it's in you, you are a warrior, there's nothing you can do about it? I feel compelled to protect people. Hmm. For instance, there was... And this is the most recent thing that I've that I've gone to with that spirit. Uh, there was a clan rally downtown. Okay. 
like old city. <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as I seen it pop up on Facebook, show my wife, and I was like, this next Saturday, I'm going. She was like, that makes sense. So the the purpose for me to go, I'm not a protester. I'm not holding no picket sign. I'm here so that if they cross the line and try to hurt one of y'all, I'm in the middle of that. I feel compelled to do that. So you, for lack of better words, correct me if I'm wrong, you the bully's bully. Okay, that seems less. That seems a little bit more softer. I mean, it seems a little compressed more than I'm a warrior. Cause the what what I'm getting from this whole thing is like, like you ready to fuck shit up, but it kind it kind of came across as like I'm ready to fuck shit up whenever I want to. But you seem to be a level-headed person who is reserved and. More on some superhero shit. Like I'm just here to help whenever it needs to be. I'll put my life on the line for 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 the people and things that I love. Yeah. And that's the character trait. I mean, I guess that's in all of us. I mean, as me being a father, that's who I am as a father. I right. think I guess in that sense, if we yeah. tap, you know, peel yeah. the onion back, I think we all have it in us. Right. Um most people are that to people they know. Right. I'll be that to a complete stranger. Oh see now. I you went to Ferguson. You're different like, Okay. I went to Baltimore. Okay. I was in South Carolina. Like, I'll be that for people I don't know. Right. Why is that? We we all family at some at some level. Do you feel immortal? No. Why not? I mean, I know that <laughs> I had to have this I had a conversation with my wife when we were dating and I told her I told her this mm. and I told her that I'm willing to lay my life down for for the betterment of us. Okay. Us as a people. Hmm. Okay. So do you think, and uh, do you think that, uh, how can I say, learning makes us more wiser as people and you won't be doing this for nothing? Because the thing is like, I'm, I'm fighting for somebody. All right, so it's like, Prime example. Let's just use this example. I know this is terrible. R. Kelly. Mm -hmm. You know he doing bad. You know he doing wrong stuff. But then we still support it. So look at the person in the middle. Right? Prime example. I'll tell you my sister. I told the story to Maui. I think you might have heard it when you listen. My sister um, was in a relationship with a dude and he hit her in the head. And she fell. Hit her head on the concrete or whatever. Little days unconscious. So her brother calls me and was like, yo, he did this. Let's do something about it. He, what time you come? I'm like, I ain't coming. I'll come if she, if she want me, to, if she call the cops, I'll come and wait there till the cops come. But I'm not getting in the middle of certain things that may be for nothing. I can right. get in that. He can kill me. I can kill him, stab me, stab him. I can beat him. Or he can beat me up for me to come in the next day eating Cheetos and she laying on the couch with him. Is there certain things that you gotta that I feel like you gotta rock for? Like I think you can't you you can't be like uh, what's frivolous if that's the right word, or right. you can't be 
you just it just can't be miscellaneous. It got to right. be for a cause, yeah. like of something that you know yeah. is wrong. But like, I can't rock. I can't rock for everything. And you feel like you can't. Not everything. Okay. It's definitely not everything. All right. Like the even the situation that I just said that I was at. Those are very specific situations. Right. That wasn't just me rocking for anything. Right, I get that. Like, I um, because I've been in that. I've been in that situation with my my nieces because my brothers are so much older than me. My nieces are pretty much my age. Right. Um, I've been in that situation countless times with almost all of them. So somebody, you know, to say. So you felt compelled to hurt your brothers or others that look like you. Where's the fight to protect your community? That's that's who I am today. Okay. <laughs> like as a child, I was a child and I pretty much did what my elder said. Good. Okay. So being in a gang, there's a hierarchy. So if I am somebody that my OGs uses as a weapon, then I'm weaponized. And I'm weaponized against whoever they point me at. So my question comes where you understood the it, it's it, I'm, we're missing something because you knew right from wrong and you can recognize things like from you getting hit by kids and didn't want to hit back because you knew it was wrong. You didn't like the feeling from quitting um, practicing uh, martial arts at the time to then jumping into a gang to enforce and to inflict pain or be not even that, that you did anything but be will being willing to do something mm -hmm. is just as, i mean attempted murder is just as bad as murder that's true i mean you i mean i know people gonna say you know you kill somebody you didn't but the <laughs> attempt is in it you right. try to you yeah. know your intent was to kill someone yeah so how do you how, how can you correlate or separate compare and contrast the two because you knew what you was doing and that switch i know is a switch but it's like why though at what point did something had to happen you seen something you felt defenseless you somebody treated you unfairly and it switched and you said fuck this shit it's just like you know yeah, that's it's that's completely possible but like i i can't trace one particular thing okay like i i draw a blank there you just can't trace it you just it's completely possible, though. Okay. Okay. So it was never to feel accepted. Never to... I mean, your homies was down, and you wanted to be down with the homies. Was it cool? I, Did you I like red? I didn't know those dudes. Okay. <laughs> right. I didn't know the dudes that I got down with. Right. But you said that it was... I, until it, I got in. You said it was a couple people that you knew about it that, that you know... That was family, like, older family. So, okay. like, they wasn't hanging out with me anyway. Right. And that didn't change because I joined the gang. Like, they wasn't even... They weren't even necessarily in the same community as I was. Okay. Hmm. So so fast forward to where we are now. The photographer, the guy who runs four to five to six businesses, <laughs> your life is just a complete switch. Are you scared that it could switch? I mean, because do you feel like it... Well, I guess it went from good to bad, good to bad, good to bad. Do you have any more bad switches in you? <laughs> you think? I hope not. Okay. I mean, not... And I hope not by, by, by my lack of, uh, by my lack of caring. Cause that's, that's really what, that's a lot of what it was when I was a kid. Like I just, I didn't care mm -hmm. about much. 
So so what's so you're married now. So does that change your perspective of how you move now? Because you got people depending on you, family. I mean, it's a different type of family now. A bit. Okay. A bit. Um. I still, I still put my happiness above all, and I encourage and I help my wife to do the same. What do you mean by that? I put my happiness overall. I mean, are we talking? Are we skipping religion here? Um, no. Okay, so when we say we put our, ha- I'm putting my happiness first. What are we talking about? Um, so I've been and probably pretty quietly. I've been building my businesses. I've been building my photography company since 2005. Okay. 2006 maybe. Um I built slowly. Okay. Because there was a lot of other things that I wanted to do. And by building slowly, I've seen some people pass me. Mhm. Like some people come in later than me and now they have all of the things that you yeah. envision for yourself. But um because of what I'm trying to build, mm-hmm. I have to go slow. And building what I'm building is gonna make me happy. Is it? Is. Okay, is okay. And my like my happiness comes from from building. Like this 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 chase, this this uh, entrepreneurial thing that I've been on for a large part of my life, it makes me happy. Okay. So you said I focus on my happiness to make myself happy first, and I encourage my wife to do the same. Mm-hmm. So are you? Does that make you guys roommates? I mean, in a sense, where it's like you focusing on your your happiness and she's focused on her happiness. Are you guys just hoping that both of y'all are what makes each other happy? Nah, nah. That's so. When I say that, I mean outside of us. Like we have we have our goals and things as a married couple. We have the things that we do, and then my wife's into K-pop. I don't listen to that with her. What's K-pop? Korean pop music. Is she Korean? No. She black. Okay. <laughs> oh, I mean... I, I, she listens I, I to K-pop. Okay. She listens to K-pop. She's been teaching herself a couple more languages. Um, that's not stuff that I'm interested in. But on the same turn, she's not interested in the businesses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Like every now and then, those two... Like those paths might cross. Like she might have a cool idea for the business or I might... Like I hung up some um some of her letters that she was trying to learn. Mm-hmm. I hung up some of that stuff in the bathroom. Okay. So like sometimes that stuff might cross, but I want to make sure that she's that we're not so wrapped up in each other that we lose ourselves. Hmm. So you say I'm making sure that we're not so wrapped up into each other that you know, where did that philosophy come from? Because that's unorthodox to me. I mean, because I feel like my job is to make to protect and, and provide and, you know, to do as much as I can to make the household first. Because I feel like in my life, the household comes first. 
and my happiness comes way down the line but i found my happiness in my family um so that that's how it works for me right but i don't i mean i guess i do have something that i might do without her maybe go shoot some pool once in a while mm-hmm. but i can get her to go shoot pool with me and do it together so like i don't know how that works for me not to say that it's supposed to i'm just trying to figure right. out how it works for you guys um So, we're, we're on two different, we're two different personality types. I'm loud and boisterous and she's quiet. Mm-hmm. So, at times, it just, that's, that's how it works for us. Okay. Like, that's just how our lives work. So, it's just, you have your things. I have my things like I don't I don't talk business to her often like if I see something that that really catches me mm-hmm. we'll talk about it like this morning I saw that um Schultz is thinking about running for president the guy who was the CEO of Starbucks okay he's thinking about running for president so I saw that I chuckled and I looked over at her and I was like yo this is funny right. she likes Starbucks so I was like right. she was like oh that's crazy and then she put her headphones back on. <laughs> I mean, as long as that works for you, yeah. you guys, it's, yeah. it's like it's congruent for y'all. You both got you guys agree on it. I think that that's cool. Um, now, as far as taking, like, we take care of the household. Yeah, the household bills and all of that good stuff. Yeah, like, no, all, no, no, no. That, that's, that's 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 yeah, that's like, straight personal, but that's also like. Almost a, a given. Yeah. Um, like you look like you natural. came from a house today, and look like you're going home to a house today. So I'm <laughs> almost assuming that everything is taken care of in that re- in that regard. But it's like um, somebody asks, "What advice would you give a single mother with teenage sons to prevent them from getting caught up in gangs or drug activity today?" They're looking. A lot of times, a lot of times, these boys are looking for a male figure. Okay. Um, maybe try to find a positive male figure who is into something that they're interested in. Okay. Uh, like for for one of my mentees, he likes martial arts. Like he was in kickboxing. He was in. He did all of these different things. And when I found him, I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. I see what's happening here. Like, you want somebody to work with you consistently, but the issue with it is that that stuff costs money. Mm-hmm. It costs money to be in kickboxing classes. Costs, so I just took him under my wing, and we train every Wednesday. Okay. And it helps him. I hold him to a very strict code of conduct. Everything that I've taught you, this stuff could damage somebody. But you have to know when and where it's applicable. Mm-hmm. Like somebody step on your shoe, that is not grounds for you to break his arm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So <clears throat> I don't think there is an answer. It it might not be because it really depends on the kid. It, it totally. I mean, take take you for example. You said my household was great, cool. I had and I had all these great mentors. And everything was great. I but great I mentors. did what I wanted to do. I think that. I mean, it's tough, but I think for a parent, I think if a parent um, has a kid, I, I always say this, if my son or daughter is on trial 
and you know they're up there for murdering people and it's possible that they can get life i'm gonna stand up there and say judge whatever you do i'm fine with because he or she knew better and at the end of the day you just got to make sure that you feel like you can go to sleep at night knowing you did as much as you could do because a kid can run you up a wall and make you feel like you know like and make you like what did i do wrong what did i do wrong and it's like mom you ain't do shit wrong you did everything right i just wanted to do what i wanted to do man listen (laughs) that's absolutely a conversation my mom and i had right absolutely and and that shit fucks parents up because no a lot of times most of the things are based on being embarrassed and what the world may say so when it comes to where's your son oh he's in jail for life you know her son's a killer you know, now you got to, you know, what the parents say back in the day? You know how that's going to make me look on my job? Right. You know, because you care so much about other people. And it's just like, you kind of got to do the best thing that you can do. Ask questions. Try to keep them busy. Do as much as you can to make sure that you keep them focused. And an idle mind is the devil's playground. But at the end of the day, a kid going to do whatever they want to do. Somebody else asks, like, uh, so uh, what kind of businesses do you have? Um. So I own a photography, I own two photography companies. One of them is a school portrait company. Okay. The other is a, I guess, commercial photography and corporate headshot company that operates a studio or two in Philadelphia. Uh, I also am partner in a screen printing company and I'm opening, well, I opened a creative agency. And what's what, what's the creative agency? So we produce the creative. So anything from we shot a video for a brother running for um, he's running for city council at large. Okay, his name's Isaiah Thomas. We shot his. Uh, he played basketball. Nah. Okay. <laughs> we shot his announcement video. Okay. He does. He does uh, coach basketball though. Okay. Okay, that's funny. <laughs> um. Yeah, we shot his announcement video, and we've done some logo projects and some brand work for a few small construction companies and okay so being a full pledge full pledge full-fledged entrepreneur how does that like do you think that that was the best decision you made in your life have you always been an entrepreneur always okay so you never had a job um i had jobs here and there okay uh but never anything never anything that i was like nervous to walk away from like never something where i felt like they depended on me like what type of jobs is this we talking about i worked at walmart okay i worked at Foot Locker. okay i think those are actually the only two real jobs yeah okay so after that you just was a full-fledged entrepreneur and you make sure that you eat by the work that you put in yeah and you ain't miss a meal yet i mean i miss meals but <laughs> <laughs> but i'm still happy right right <laughs> I haven't missed meals lately, but okay. yeah, I've missed meals. Okay. So at this point of the interview, I mean, just, just thinking about everything that we talked about, what did you get out of this? Like, what do you think like people can take from hearing this? Even if they have a kid that's going through a hard time right now, that it can still change. Or that it's not the parents' fault. Okay. Because, man, my mom, my mom's great. 
Right. My dad's freaking awesome. Right. It wasn't their fault that I did the stuff that I did you at just, all. And through the time, you knew you was hurting them. That's why I tried to hide it. Okay. Right. <laughs> That's right. why I tried to hide it. Okay. Because I knew, especially my mom, like I knew she would be hurt. So basically what we're saying is we learned that parents don't blame yourself. A kid sometimes is going to make some decisions. And hopefully that the, the bumps and bruises and the heads that they hit is a detrimental to their life or others. And hopefully they can bounce back. Yeah. So definitely. your mom and dad just letting you go out there to bump your head was the best thing that they could have done. Absolutely. Okay. Brother, I appreciate this show. I appreciate you for being on here. I appreciate your willingness for being patient. This is the first person that came on the show and bought me a gift. I really appreciate <laughs> that, and I'm make sure that I make sure that I uh, I put pressure on other people that when you come here for the first time, you bring some gifts. This is Surface Thinking with Becky Chat. Shout out to Kyron for being here, man. I appreciate you, brother. All right. Common sense is lazy. 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 Lazy.